Greetings and welcome to A Stone in Zion. This is Pastor Peter Kesting. Uh, just a note about the sermon today. Um, it ta- it's tackling a topic that often comes to my mind as I look out at the world and I see, you know, even in myself too, um, there's so many things that we use to distract us from what's really important. And I think uh, in Amos we see that these luxuries were things that were distracting people from what was really important. You know, it talks about in our text how the house of Joseph has fallen. You know, God's worship has been totally left behind and no one cares. Everyone's just enjoying their pleasant distractions. And, you know, I think that's spot on for the world that we are living in now. Um, So... I don't, you know, in this text, it might seem like it's talking about a condemnation about against wealth and luxuries, but I actually, you know, I think about the sermon, I didn't really talk about condemning it, wealth and luxuries. Um, I see the, the side effect of wealth and luxuries, which is being distracted from what's really important as being the main focus here. So uh, that's for the sermon. And also this past week, I, like I said, I don't have a... Um, interview, just a sermon introduction today. But I did something this past week that um, was good for the podcast. I spent quite a bit of time looking ahead and trying to think of some guests and people that I want to have on the show. I think I have it planned out for the next two months or so. Um, And I haven't contacted everyone, but I think I've got the next two or three weeks situated with um, people to interview. So that's, that's a big bonus. So I hope, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I actually just needed to sit down and do some, some planning. And I was able to do that this week. So even though I don't have a interview, I do have some plans for interviews to come and, um, some interesting ones, maybe some past people, some new people, um, and on different topics too. So, uh, without further ado, here is the sermon. We now look at our scripture lessons for today. And our first lesson is from the book of Amos, which was directed against the people of Israel about 700 years before Jesus was born, right before the people of the northern ten tribes were taken into exile. And we see that it was prophesied here that they would be taken into exile because of their uh, lack of concern for what was going on. They had enjoyed luxuries and feasting and lounging, but yet they did not care about uh, God or the fall of, of the spiritual care of God's people. This will serve as a text for our sermon. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. Go to Kalna and look at it. Go from there to Great Hamath, and then go down to Gath and Philistia. Are they better off than your two kingdoms? Is their land larger than yours? You put off the day of disaster and bring near a reign of terror. You lie on beds adorned with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest lotions. 
but you do not grieve over the ruin of, jo of Joseph. Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and lounging will end. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ the one who is attentive to our needs. I'm going to raise a hypothetical situation that's obviously impossible, but imagine for a moment that an alien came to our planet from a, a different planet where there was no war, a place where there was no greed or envy, a place that there was no pain, sorrow. What would that alien do when they came to this planet? Perhaps the first thing they might do is just get back in their ship and leave, right? Or if they did have to live here on this earth, they couldn't leave that way. Maybe they would try to avoid looking at all that bad things, all the violence, all the death. Maybe they would try to escape from it some other way, being distracted by the things of this world. You know, I think whether it's a literal or a hypothetical uh, escape, I think that's probably what something like that would, a being like that would try to do. And I think that'd be kind of a natural response to looking at the problems of this world. And in some ways, it's sort of a situation that we're all in right now. I mean, obviously, we're not aliens from another planet, but we are living in a world where we see the violence, we see the, the pain, we see the fall of Jerusalem. You know, we see spiritual decay. We may look at this world and just shake our heads and want to escape. And in some ways, I think that's perhaps what was going on. In Israel, as these people were engaging in these feasts, they were distracting themselves from what was going on all around them. They were escaping in one way or another, right? And I think there's a temptation for us to do that too. Here in our text for today, Jesus brings up the, the idea of perhaps what the, the greatest distraction that, that we can come up with. He puts his finger right on, on one of the biggest problems, and that's that idea of, of luxuries and being distracted by the things of this world. We're continuing on with our sermon series on Christian character and what it means to have Christian character. And a lot of it is, is about following in Jesus. And today we see that part of our Christian character is that we choose love over luxury. We're responsive to the needs of others, and we're attentive to our own spiritual needs. In the year 64 AD, the Roman Empire was the biggest power in the Western world, at least, and the city of Rome was at the center of it all. In the year 64 AD, almost 2,000 years ago, there was a, a big fire, a terrible tragedy. 
This fire went through the whole city of Rome, the, the sort of the center of the universe, you might say, and it killed thousands of people and destroyed so many things. Nero was the emperor at that time, and he was not a very popular emperor. Everyone kind of didn't like him. And all of a sudden, after the fire, some stories started popping up that while the fire was burning and raging and Rome was on fire, that he was seen in his palace playing the fiddle. Totally oblivious, totally aloof to the problems that the people, that his, his city and the people and the culture, all that was going up in flames. And he was just there playing on his fiddle, totally unconcerned about everything that was going on around him. Now, there's a little bit of a debate whether this actually happened or not, or this was maybe just stories that were told by, by his enemies. But it makes for an interesting image, doesn't it? An entire city on flames. The emperor playing his fiddle. In a way, that's kind of what we see going on in this Old Testament lesson about the Israelites. They're even talking about playing the fiddle, playing on the harps and lyres and different instruments, but they weren't doing it while Jerusalem was burning down, literally, but in a way, it sort of was burning down because people had stopped caring about God. The people at that time had grown so wicked, so evil, that they cared not at all about God and his worship. The interesting thing about this time in Israel's history was that it was a golden age. They were very prosperous. They had all these luxuries, all these things, and it even talks about them here in our text. Uh, couches lined with ivory. There aren't elephants in Israel. They had to be imported from the ivory had to be imported from Africa. That's a long ways, especially back in those days. So this was luxury things. It was a time when everything was going so well for them, but yet spiritually going so bad. And I think all of those luxury items had the, had the power to make the people numb. They were numb to what was really going on. And I think luxury items have the ability to do that. What about us? Now, you might be thinking right now, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Talking about luxury items. I don't have a couch that's inlaid with ivory. You know, I'm not a billionaire. But if you think about it, I think all of us, have plenty of luxuries, don't we? Uh, we have, especially if we compare ourselves to, uh, you know, people living in, in poor countries, or we think about uh, how people even just lived 100 years ago, 200 years ago. We are really surrounded with so many luxuries and so many conveniences and so many different forms of entertainment. I think all of us would fall into this description here of, of people who are surrounded by luxuries. And you know what? It's easy for those things to make us numb as well. 
numb to what is going on around us. Care, careless or carefree or complacent as it talks about here in our text. I think that is something that could, we can easily fall into. But God doesn't want us to. In fact, he wants us to be the opposite of them. He wants us to be responsive to the world that we live in. Many good examples of people who have been responsive to the world that we live in. We're, we're in October here. We're just a couple of weeks away from Reformation Day. And it makes me think about Martin Luther a little bit. Martin Luther lived in a time when uh, there was a lot of spiritual uh, downfall. Kind of like what's going on here in Amos where it, the church did not preach the gospel he lived in a time when he himself, even though he was a religious person, he was completely engulfed by his sins, and he was deep in sorrow. And he suffered under the weight of his sin. He felt no relief from it. He would come to God to pray, and he just felt like God was angry at him. And he suffered, and he looked around, and he saw that all the people around him were suffering in their sins. Well, when he read the gospel and heard about Jesus dying to take away his sins so that he could be forgiven, it lifted the burden off of his chest, but yet he still saw all the people around him suffering. And he didn't want to just let that be, but he took action, right? He saw people suffering. He saw the downfall of the house of Joseph, like we see here in our text, and he did something about it. And maybe we can think of plenty of other people, too, who have seen problems and done something about it. And that's a good thing. But, of course, the greatest example of this would be Jesus. Jesus looked down from heaven and he saw the entire human race suffering because of the sins that, that we have committed and the fact that without him, we would be without hope. Jesus looked down and he saw the world burning, you know, just like Nero. But Jesus wasn't going to sit up in heaven and play the fiddle while the world was burning. Jesus took action. He came into this world. He saw the spiritual suffering that was going on. He did what was necessary to help with that. He lived the perfect life that we should have. Our conscience tells us that we should do what is right. But our brains tell us that we haven't, right? We know what is right and what's wrong. But we also know that we have fail to do what is right. But that's where Jesus comes in. He did what was right. He took action. And he died also to take away our sins, to remove that guilt from us so that uh, we could know that heaven would be ours. We think about our sins. We all have sinned against God. We have been numb to the needs of others. We have used luxuries as ways to 
distract ourselves from, from the troubles and the pains and the sorrows of this world, but that's not good. We need to be responsive to the troubles that are going on in this world. And we need to be attentive to our own spiritual welfare. I think that's an important thing, too. The Israelites, they were not doing that. They were feasting, they were lounging, but yet what was wrong with their own spiritual welfare? You know, it's, it's pretty easy to lie to your to others. And you can even lie to yourself to a certain point. But, and you can try to, you know, tell yourself that, that you're fine, that you don't need to work on anything. And I think that's kind of like the Israelites. It says there, you know, woe to you who are complacent carefree, thinking, I'm good, everything's fine. But really, we're just lying to ourselves. And perhaps, here again, we use the luxuries of this world to distract us from the real problems that are going on in our own lives. Right? Maybe on the outside, things look fine, but we know all well, all too well, that beyond that outside service on the inside there are deep problems and we may try to distract ourselves from the reality luxuries are a great distraction in that sense and it's a real temptation then to be distracted from the world be distracted from what's really going on but we can also see that that only hides the truth. You know, looking at the story of the, the Israelites, but they had the, the couches with the ivory, right, that they lounged on. They had the bowls of wine, the finest of lotions, music, all these fine things. And, you know, I look at that and I think, well, not a lot has changed, has it? I mean, maybe some of our things are a little bit more sophisticated than they are back then. Our toys have gotten a little bit more advanced. We have electronics and Instead of, you know, playing the fiddle or the harp or whatever it is, we have our stereos and our other ways of listening to music. But really, I don't think it has changed too much. There still is an attempt to escape from this world. But, you know, God doesn't want us to escape from this world. God wants us to live in this world because this is where he has placed us. It's easy to miss some of the most important things in life if you're distracted by the other things that are going on in your life. You know, think of a, a person who, a man who was obsessed with cleaning his car. Every day he would get out and, and clean his car and spend a couple hours doing it. Imagine what that would be like for a person's life, a couple hours every day spent cleaning your car, you would miss so much in life. You'd miss, you know, spending time with your spouse or spending time with your children. You'd grow up and you'd hardly have seen them. The whole time you were just sitting there, or that person was just sitting there washing their car, right? I mean, missing the most important things in life spent distracted by unimportant things. Now, of course, that is a kind of a silly situation. I don't know if too many people do that, but I think we can maybe put a lot of different things into that. 
you know, we could maybe put things like social media instead of washing your car. And then it's not so silly. It's not so far-fetched, is it? And there's, it's true, there's the luxuries that we surround ourselves with. Uh, they can pull us away from, from the real world. And they can pull us away from the problems. And maybe we like that because we don't like to deal with the problems, but we need to. Especially when the problems are spiritual problems in our own lives. Instead of being distracted from them, how can we cure these problems? Well, Scripture gives us some good advice in that area, too. Scripture tells us to look to the Word and the sacraments. When we immerse ourselves in not in the luxuries of this world, but when we immerse ourselves in God's Word, there our faith is strengthened. We are given a solid foundation that helps us with the other troubles that we can face in our lives. When we make use of the sacraments, of the Lord's Supper, there we're strengthened, we're fed in our souls. And really, that's what the Word and the sacraments do. They, they in a sense, they feed us. Feed us spiritually. They help us with the, the problems that, that face us in our lives. They strengthen our faith and increase our trust in God. Here in our text, the Israelites use luxuries to be distracted from this truth. And as we see in our text that they were led away to exile. It says there in that last verse, now you're feasting and you're lounging. It will come to an end, right? But we, dear Christians, we choose love now. And know that a day will come when we will have everlasting feasting and joy in the presence of God. Until that day comes, we say amen. Please rise.